I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, welcome back to Soul Sisters. I'm your host, Jesse Katz. Dar and I have an iconic guest on the show today. Now, I know we've used that word before, iconic. We toss it around here and there because we do have a lot of women who fit the bill, but maybe none so much as today's guest, Jane Birkin, who I literally have a picture of hanging on the wall in my apartment, which I realized as I was preparing to speak with her for this episode, I was doing my research as I do a good student and, uh, and, and looked above me and hanging over my couch is a picture of Jane Birkin in the Antonioni film Blow Up from 1966. So that's how long she's been an icon for. Of course, she's gone on to do many more films. Uh, She's also an artist who's recorded many, many albums, some of which were, of course, with her once husband, the late Serge Gainsbourg. Uh, She and Serge together had the daughter Charlotte Gainsbourg, who was a previous soul sister on the show. Um, And Jane put out an album last year called Birkin Gainsbourg La Symphonique, which was a tribute to her late husband. And she's been touring on it. And she stopped by when she was about to perform at Carnegie Hall to chat with us about everything from blow up to now we ran the full gamut with her she does not love the word icon we tested it out in her presence she's extremely humble um and and corrected us on that or at least her her version of what the truth is uh i think she lived up to the label but you guys can uh be the judge so okay we'll get to the episode with jane just a reminder please follow us on itunes subscribe to the soul sisters channel if you have not already you can also watch this episode film on YouTube on Billboard's YouTube channel so we are out there we are available we are ready for you to watch and listen and consume however you please all right enjoy today's episode of Soul Sisters with Jane Birkin of the Birkin Bag Jane thanks for coming on the show (laughs) it's an honor and a pleasure um I was I was sitting on my couch yesterday thinking of what we could talk to you about today, and I realized that above me I have a picture of you on my wall that I hadn't actually connected until yesterday, that I have a still from Blow Up hanging in my apartment, and I said, oh, wait, I actually look at her every day. Yeah. Anyway, so this is a little trippy to have you here in front of me. Yeah. (laughs) Are you sure? Positive. Um, yeah, anyway, so you're here in New York because you're performing at Carnegie Hall, right? Yep. So that's, uh, that's not a shabby 
venue. It's not a Shabbos. And it's the first time you've performed here in a while, right? Yeah, I did the town hall. Okay. And I did the French Institute. Uh-huh. And maybe a third. So I've been here before on shows, one one of which was with Nobuyuki Nakajima, who'd done the orchestrations. I'd done another show with him. I think that was at the town hall. Okay. That was, was a lovely. different project. Yeah, it was about, two, I, I can't even remember. Okay. Five years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh. Do you come back to New York often to visit your lovely daughter who was just on our show also? Um, I'd like to have come much, much more often, but yeah. I was I was too ill. I couldn't. I wasn't allowed to. Ah. But now I'd love to. Yeah. Because it's really so easy and such fun to be with her. Right. I'm so stressed out for Thursday that I'm in a hotel. Right. So, <laughs> so I feel as if I'm in a foreign land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> but this won't be the first time you're performing... With this arrangement, this big orchestra, no. No, I've been doing it for about uh, a year. Wow. How does that feel? It's lovely because the 65 uh, musicians with cellos and violins and and I don't know, it just is one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. So it's as if you were suddenly allowed to sing on a bit of Gustav Mahler. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And and I'm put into... quite a lot of comfort by Nobuyuki who's given me um, bits where I start off with the piano and then the others come in and so I'm on a sort of cushion of uh, velvet it's up, it's it's rather lovely mm. I just mustn't wish anything up because you can't suddenly <laughs> say oh whoops I'm starting again <laughs> with 65 people yeah <laughs> it's a lot of people to get back <laughs> well, on the well, same well, page well. yeah so let's zoom out for a second right. if you could just tell people th- what project we're talking about exactly and maybe how it came to be it came to be because um about three years ago uh, I did a project with um, Michel Piccoli and Hervé Pierre which was reading Serge Gainsbourg's words without any music. Okay. And it was an idea that Philippe Le Richem, my director artistique and Serge's, had when I didn't know what to do, when my daughter Kate had died, and I'd stayed, you know, as people do, um, at home and not moving for mm-hmm. a year, and, and then got ill. And so I couldn't really do a show show, but the idea to actually get out and be amongst friends, which I was with Piccoli, who's been my, played my father in many films, mm. it was actually the best possible thing to do of an evening. Yeah. So we went round most of France, a little bit uh, to foreign countries, not that much. We went, they, they went to Canada. There I met Monique Giraud, who's a friend who was uh, a journalist. Mm-hmm. And I was explaining that usually... Serge's exquisite words went with classical music when he wanted to give us the very best. So if he panicked because he felt he hadn't given me enough for Babylon in Babylon, then whoops, it was on Brahms or mm. or same thing for Jane B on Chopin. For Charlotte, it was a zeste de citron. And there again, classical music lost song the same. Initials BB for Brigitte Bardot was Mm. equally classical music. So I was explaining all this to her. And she said, well, why don't you do it with a a symphony orchestra? Mm -hmm. I said, well, that would be pushing it a bit, given my voice. Mm -hmm. And she said, but I could give you one in that the um, uh, uh, Montreal Philharmonic Orchestra could do it with you. Uh And you could have a night at the Francofolies, which is one of the biggest French festivals, French-speaking festivals, and they know Serge's work so terribly well. Uh And so I thought, well, if it's just a one-off like that, 
maybe if Philippe Le Richem could choose the 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 little you know the songs I'm going to would sing that would look right, seem right, yeah. sound right with a symphony orchestra, and if Nobuyuki Nakajima could do the orchestrations, it would be like movie music, mm. and in that case, perhaps one wouldn't be bored, mm. and perhaps in that case, it wouldn't sound pretentious to be singing with her because people do it. Um, you know, musical people when they don't know what to do at the end of a career, then uh-huh. alley up. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and and so it had to be different. And I've always admired mus- m- movie music mm-hmm. from John Barry's, but also <laughs> also Michel Jarre, uh-huh. also you know the fabulous music for Fellini. For uh, so it was so, and they came up with uh, uh, the orchestrations in. Yes, you don't know which song you're going to. When you, when you've got classical arrangements, you can have um, rather frightening cellos and violins going on. Whilst the little tune is sounds so sweet and everything's right. going well, no undertones of disaster. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's very very exciting. Mm-hmm. So that's how it started for one go. Mm-hmm. Then I lost my voice in Canada. Was taken to hospital. They said to another second show, and I thought, well, no. Perhaps if I can just even just speak it, uh-huh. and it works as well huh. with the means, orchestrations. With the orchestrations, because wow. otherwise it means they wouldn't have heard yeah. all the wonderful orchestrations, and everyone yeah. was there to do two nights. Right. And then we should have gone through um, China, but I wasn't given my permit uh-huh. because of sticking up for the Dalai Lama. Oh, wow. really? Yeah. So goodbye, Shanghai. Wow. Um, so you had to cancel dates yeah, there? Yeah. 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 Wow. And it was going to be recorded huh. for a live record. So Oh man. But it was lucky because it would have been a one off, perhaps it would have been disastrous. And yeah. uh, as it was, we went to Poland where there's a wonderful symphony orchestra where we had a date anyway and we just kept them for five days, made mm. the record. Huh. And that came out first. So people that didn't really believe in the project you could say Listen to this. Listen to yeah. I mean, it's and gorgeous. It definitely is proof right, yeah. that it works. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the the title of the new project, the the symphonic orchestra project, is Birkin Gainsbourg Le Symphonique. Mm-hmm. And the and how much is that? Is it taken directly from the music of Jane Birkin, Serge Gainsbourg from 1969? Because uh, the, the title just suggests that it's a sort of reimagining of those of that collection or but is it not necessarily it's, to be thought of that way it doesn't matter how you think i, I think that the <laughs> most beautiful songs were the ones that were at the separation and after so baby alone in babylon with les deux Sushik and fear le bonheur i think are the most beautiful songs that have ever been written about separations but too cool a- absolutely wonderful but as it can't just be miserable <laughs> and <laughs> then uh, philippe thought of Many other songs like um, the Chanson de Prévert that I'll be singing with Rufus Wainwright. Oh. That, um, and other songs, Les Javanais, uh-huh. that mm. was certainly not of my epoch. He wrote it for, for Juliet Greco. Uh-huh. Uh, why not one that he wrote for Ajani? Why not uh, Lagadou, which is rather jolly? Because uh-huh. otherwise it's just so sad. Need some levity to it. You need a bit yeah. of levity, as you mm-hmm. say. And to span, to span more of the 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 right the um, more of his work. Yes, and, so the, and they were the one, one time exactly. And so that 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 was the dates that were the earliest mm-hmm. ones, really, because the ones afterwards were indeed, yeah, sad. Now 
Jane, I have to ask you. <laughs> you mentioned John Barry and you love his music. How have you been able to maintain such a healthy relationship with the work of your ex-partners? <laughs> I haven't. No? Meaning Just you've, you've got... Oh, okay. I mean, John Barry never wrote anything for me, so there's nothing to sing. Right. As Serge wrote to, for me from when I was 20 until the day he died. Yeah. I mean, really, in that he did a song called... Um, Amour Defunt, which is love of feigning or love of the dead, uh -huh. that was literally three months before, mm. with twelve songs again, mm. and 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 with um, Jacques Doyon, Lou Doyon's right. father, then I made movies, right. of which I made three, and if I can stick up for them in cinema text, then I do, uh -huh. because they're probably the best films I ever made. So of course, yeah, of course. I'm just saying it's uh, it's it's like this beautiful thing that you. Yeah. I, I I would imagine that emotionally you've had your ups and downs through these relationships breaking apart and moving on and different chapters and how you relate to everything to do with those relationships, but that you've been able to to keep the love of the work, mm. you know? Yes, yeah. um, and I wasn't very steady-headed at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's quite romantic. Yes. It's romantic, the idea of you and Serge separating, but the, they're remaining uh, creatively potent and... And that was and, what and was extraordinary for me, that yeah. someone would go on wanting to write for you, whereas you'd gone off with somebody else. Right. Yeah. And that that person needed you for maybe his <coughs> very feminine side. Mm. I think that's what he gave me. He went on doing songs so he could, uh, uh, I don't know, burn his 500 franc... Uh, uh, notes on yeah. the on the on the television or <laughs> or be outrageous, right, and, and that he needed. Yeah, but he also needed a a sentimental side and yeah. a broken side. What so did that feel like at the beginning when he, you were separated, and then he came to you with these songs, with new songs? And you, was it surprising to to experience that at the beginning? Like, wow, we're still going to maintain <laughs> this relationship, sure? or or was it was it just completely natural and it didn't even feel? It wasn't that. No, it wasn't natural. It was very strange. <laughs> no, it was. Yeah, so that's what you would imagine. Yeah. Mm, yeah, you go back to the house where you've lived for thirteen years, uh. and he's at the piano. And then you cough a bit because your cigarette gets in your eye, and he says, "Ah, oh, so now you can't even take some cigarettes." <laughs> uh, no, no, no. And you've uh, no. It was definitely uncomfortable. Yeah. But at the same time, I was honoured. I kept on saying, "You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it," because he was so tired. He did two songs in the night, and then he'd come to the recording studios and say, "That's what." And it was "Fear the Bonheur" and "Les Deux Souches." Then the next day, he'd come back and he still hadn't stepped in alarm. He got another two. Mm. By the end, we'd come to Friday. I, I thought he wouldn't make it, it, and and I could see him visibly moved behind the the glass. All I could do was to sing as high as I could to try and do it as best I could. But of course, I realised that he was asking me to sing his pain. It was mm -hmm. it was a very very strange for the others not so or not so much so and he'd he liked the idea that uh i can't remember what he said something like um we're history you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. yeah. and so he played on that and so did i yeah because i was so grateful yeah how much of your identity as a singer and a musical artist is tied up with him and how uh, totally. much like 100 percent? you feel well, I would think um, You don't have to give an exact percent. Oh, 60, yeah. okay. Because I've made records of duos with other people right. because everyone wrote, when he, after he died, everyone wrote me 
duos mm -hmm. and actually it, it did rather well mm -hmm. and it was fun because you could be with people right. and it was from Francois Hardy absolutely everyone yeah. and uh, Etienne Dao they, they were really wonderful sweet songs that they gave me to sing that they'd written for me and then another record similarly then I wrote my own record which didn't do well which was called Enfant d'hiver Winter's Children uh -huh. but of which there were at least two or three songs that I would be proud of. Mm -hmm. And then, um, no, the rest is, is him. Mm -hmm. And of course I get asked to be on other people's albums or to sing a duo, to mm -hmm. do this or that. And that's, that's fun because it's something that's rather lovely to be able to still go on doing. Right. But the identification is, is totally with him. Yeah. And mm -hmm. sometimes you feel that actually you're not worth much without him song-wise. Mm. That's, that's very true. It's interesting. The one one noticeable um, thing that's not on the new album in this project is the duo that you had with him, the famous Chatem mm. song. And I and you I heard you say that how could it be mm. the other half isn't isn't there, mm. and it would be inconceivable to record it or perform it with someone else. Mm. Which just speaks to I think how alive that music is. It's not you know reinterpreting the music of Cole Porter of, or someone else some other composer that it's been done a million times and you're bringing your own thing to it that's that's something in itself but to these songs have a live like living history mm. where you wouldn't there would you wouldn't think of of singing it or performing it with someone else no we never did yeah. because we did it in what 68 and he and I never sang it together ever mm -hmm. not through the 15 years that we were together mm -hmm. either mm -hmm. or the rest of the years of course not because it was in those days too it was it was a recorded thing and it was so famous right. and for a charity show we might have mumbled it once I'm not <laughs> even sure that we did I'm not, I'm not even sure so it wasn't something that I didn't do directly he died out of being you know uh, uh, sacrilegious you yeah know? not at all something we didn't do at all point. and certainly yeah. not to have somebody else and I wasn't courageous enough to talk his bit Mm-hmm. I suppose one could have done, but I, I, <laughs> it was so much his song, and he'd yeah. already sung it with Bardo that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel that uh, that I could. Mm -hmm. But in this on this concert at the Carnegie Hall on Thursday, and on the record, mm -hmm. I've taken two of my songs off so that Nobuyuki Nakajima's versions of initials BB, a, a zest de citron of Charlotte's, mm -hmm. and. Um, Turkish car, Turkish market, and Je t'aime non plus, mm -hmm. are played by the symphony orchestra, ah. and it brings tears to your eye. That because you realize what a wonderful song it was. It's mm. just da 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 da, and three notes, yeah. da da da, four, and and you know where you are when you heard it, and so it was irresistible and so beautiful that I thought that it would be missing. Even though it has nothing to do with me, uh -huh. apart from Je t'aime non nothing, I'm not going to sing them. But uh -huh. I thought it should be there with the orchestra. So they're played, just not sung. Nice. Yes, for yeah. about six minutes. Oh, absolutely wow. wonderful. Wow. I feel like we just harmonize our wow. <laughs> <laughs> when you hear that, are you, are you transported back to 1969? Or I'm curious how it was, the experience of being a young actress turned you know, singer and muse of this pop star in France. You know, the the swinging 60s were, you know, in full bloom at this point. And what was that like for you? Like, what, you know, can you 
go back there viscerally? No. No. <laughs> do you want to? Do, yeah, do you? No. Like, no. No, because I don't think you have any idea. I didn't have any idea of what it was like or how unflustering it was or how normal it seemed. Mm-hmm. I mean, now perhaps it doesn't, but but when it happens like that, little by little, and you're number one in charts of because there's a demon on blue and everything like that. No, but when I do hear it at the end of the show, when it's the when it's the orchestral version, then it does make you cry because then you n- I know how moved he'd be. Mm. I know that he would not have a a dry eye. Mm-hmm. It it it's it's too lovely, and it's what he wanted because for his film Je t'aime non plus, uh, he was able to have nearly a symphony orchestra because it was movie music. And it was paid for by the producers, so it was luxurious. Mm-hmm. And he wanted it to be the most beautiful thing on his film that was otherwise a film that was set in, I don't know, 1950s petrol pump sort of mm-hmm. uh, very uh, Dennis Hopper mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. land. Right. But he wanted this sumptuous uh, uh, generique. Uh-huh. Mm. And he was so thrilled by it to have so many... It's it's rare to, to be able to pay for so many musicians. When you're a French composer, <coughs> you have to. You don't get paid to do the the movie, mm. so they pay for the séance, but they don't usually give enough money to have that many instruments. So okay. he was allowed to have this luxury for Jeté Mon plus and Manon mm-hmm. because they were both movie musics, uh-huh. and uh, and I and I saw what it did to him. So I know that I know on that he would be well pleased. I know he'd be well pleased actually to be in New York, mm. and to be at the Carnegie Hall. And he didn't play New York. He didn't even play uh, Canada. Wow. I mean, his he was yeah. very short lived as a as a live artist. Sadly, yeah. So there he is. There, yeah. His music's there. That's beautiful. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. It must be remarkable now to see the appreciation and adoration for him now. Mm. I mean, I feel like he was beloved in his time in France and in Europe, but more so now here. Would you mm. say that's true? I think it's true that it's... it's. I mean, the day he died, it, it everything stopped in, in France. He'd, he, thank God, had been loved before, mm. before he died. Mm-hmm. He could have missed it. He could have been someone who was so outrageous and so much ahead of his time and never repeating himself. I mean, uh, his work's a bit like, 
a bit like somebody, I mean, it's it's not pretentious to say Picasso because I can't think of another example where somebody had a rose period and a blue period mm. and a cubic period and a surrealist period and just went on changing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think probably he'd think it was old hat even to bring in lots of instruments and be sumptuous. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> always, always, always ahead. So it was amazing in that case when he pissed a lot of people off where people could, could be very shocked by him uh-huh. that actually about uh, two, three years before dying, I think he knew how loved he was by the whole of France. And Philippe Le Richem did TV uh, uh, shows with him where 50 little boys came forward. It seems strange now that 50 little lads would come forward with gitan cigarettes in their mouths yeah. singing, Je suis venu te dire que je t'aime. And that there he was crying because of being so moved at seeing these, yeah. little, these little boys. So it was the, the mood of France. So when he died, actually, he was probably the most loved person in France. Oh. So now the appreciation of his work and of his literary work mm-hmm. and of, of how probably um, poetically wise he's changed everybody since, they've all been influenced by him, mm-hmm. is something that's got bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. But even, even when I sang at the Savoy Theatre after he died, and I'd gone over to England and the British press, I mean, the, the chic ones were fine, but the Sun, or I don't know what, uh, t- uh, trashy newspaper, yeah. uh, said, oh, you're going to show us a bit of leg Jane for the photo. I said, no. And then they said, <laughs> they said, oh, uh, have you made any other dirty songs, Jane? I thought, oh, how can they be so right. unaware of who Sergius is? And <laughs> instead of crying, I thought, no, I must go back to France. And I must um, ask other people of whom they've heard uh, so that I can prove it. So I rang up Yves Saint Laurent, uh, Jean-Luc Godard, uh, Mitterrand, Chirac, uh, absolutely, huh. uh, Catherine Deneuve, uh, Françoise. I mean, every single person that I thought, ah, at least they know the Minister of, of Education. Uh-huh. And that they would each write who Serge was to them. Mm. So when Chirac wrote, Serge's are a Polonaire, are Baudelaire, mm-hmm. I, I think it was Mitterrand. Then, then I went back to England with it all handwritten and printed underneath and translated into English. And I was able to say, there, voila, that's what they think of him in yeah. France. Mm, and Dirk Bogard came onto the, onto the stage to explain to the English who I was to the French because he too had had a career in Italy where sometimes the mm. English had been a bit blasé and hadn't perhaps <laughs> realised he'd done films with Visconti. Uh-huh. So, you know, it, it, it suddenly made me aware yeah. that in a very short time after he died there, you know, it was... He, he was as, as great as... considered to be one of France's greatest writers, if not the greatest of his time. Yeah. How aware and comfortable are you with your own legacy (laughs) which means which means uh you are such an icon and mean so much to so many people through so many things that you've done over the years but i get a sense that you are kind of self-deprecating very humble person i'm not a humble person at all at all (laughs) not at all it's it's just that i people exaggerate when they say fashion icon I mean even the word icon you I don't 
I don't merit that in in reality. Okay. I think I've done about ten good films uh-huh. where I was all right and some more than all right. But for the ones that most people know, like um, Blow Up or mm-hmm. uh, the Agatha Christie films, or the, no, I was nothing in them. I, I mean, the <laughs> films were, but I was nothing. Uh-huh. To, I mean, to be honest, they came into being great cultural things, but I was. It wasn't like Charlotte. Char- Charlotte was an actress right from the word go, and mm. she, and she had her own statement to make. And yes, she was something. Kate, my daughter, as a photographer, mm-hmm. made a statement. Lou writes her own stuff in English and writes the music. Mm-hmm. At 30, suddenly was Artist of the Year, you know. So right. so they've really made their mark. I was a sort of jolly actress that suddenly made, did a bit better than people imagined in dramatic things like with Patrice Chéreau. Right. That was really good. Uh-huh. And with other plays I've done, that was really good. But so it's not self-depreciating. It's, I think, very lucid. And I mean, if you're known for a bag, then what can I say? You know, it's it's really not it's really not to do with anything I've made or I would have loved to have done something that was very typically mine. Mm. They've all been associated really with somebody else. Are you seeking to do something that no. is yours? No, no. But I mean that you you have time but we know, will God see willing for all but of even us. this right now that doesn't feel it because of how much because of it, it's it because surge. it's surged no, i think i i think I've, it's the best thing i've ever done yeah. mm, that's great that and arabesque okay. with the arab orchestra uh-huh. i think they were really great yeah but i can't say it, it's not as if when you ask me the question of whether it's completely me no right as it, it's not but i think that i was one of his best interpreters i think because of being an actress um I play it really well uh-huh. because I knew the person so well. Then uh, I have to watch it because you can't suddenly cry or mm-hmm. be indecent or anyhow you lose your voice, so you, so you can't. But and it's what been twenty six years now, so someone will take over those songs. They it won't matter anymore what the actual uh, inspiration was. My mother had a song written for her which was a nightingale sang in Berkeley Square mm, that whoa. was very, very well known during the war. It was written for her. Wow. She was Noel Coward's muse during the war. Wow. I mean, and now people will sing a nightingale sang in Berkeley Square, possibly. Another song that was written about her, which was da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, the telephone and answers, these foolish things. Because Ma picked me up once saying, when I got something wrong, like only 20 pounds a kilo or something she says it's not that it's not that and she told me the other price and I said well how would you know and she said well it was written about me <laughs> so the telephone that rings but doesn't answer the fo- these four wow. things yeah so so later on you no longer if they're great songs and other people think oh yeah well, my phone didn't ring either and, <laughs> or his phone didn't ring either yeah and they won't know mm. where it had started off oh. hmm. well, great songs that- are great songs yeah how does that tie into your decision to now release maybe uh, some of your diaries? It's all I had left. It's all I have left uh, to show, hmm. to give. And and some of it's very, very funny, much funnier than I thought, the anecdotes. And some of it is such a terrible, constant um, insecurity 
that it's quite wearying, really, when uh -huh. you've got that characteristic from being 12 until being 60, you know. I can understand that perhaps it didn't work with everybody, you know. I think John Barry got really pissed off. And, <laughs> I mean, you can't be with this child who's cutting up their legs because you, you haven't thought about them or you mm. haven't got something to say in the middle of the night. So, yes, mm. I wrote a play called Sorry Were You Asleep about somebody who bugs somebody all night long because they can't sleep. I mean, I couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. The other person's asleep and it's really annoying. <laughs> you try and find things to wake them up, little pretext is, oh, sorry, were you asleep? That, yeah. so, so that was a good idea. Yeah. But I can sort of see on reading the diaries that you actually don't change. Yeah. And, and the unbelief in yourself, the, the cruelty at boarding school from other girls, the feeling that you were not attractive. N not that you weren't pretty, but not not attractive to the person you loved and that they went. Then after that, to have met Serge, who actually drew girls that looked half like boys mm. and actually found the beauty of boys very irresistible, then uh, what good fortune. Mm. I mean, some people say, we well, can get over it, you know, not having any bosoms. And that, well, mm. It's okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to have actually somebody who says bosoms frightened me. Mm. <laughs> I think he exaggerated a bit after Bardo. I think it's... <laughs> <laughs> I think he might have said that case please by case. Me a bit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there some catharsis in sharing these things with the mm. world? Does it help you let go a little bit, or what is the compulsion to share? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that probably closer to the time, it'll be rather unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. Are, is, you know? Will it be coming yeah. out as a book in book form, yeah. or did you consider turning it into music form? No, 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 no. No, no already <laughs> I'm stressed out the idea of it actually coming out because it's fine <laughs> to talk about little anecdotes but yeah, yeah. the rather measly horrible things about oneself that you would have rather cut out or changed right i felt morally i couldn't do that so they're there they'll so be unedited so wow i've taken things out that would wound people okay. but not that would wound me yeah do your daughters have first read on it or they did and they didn't want to oh okay do you think they were afraid they would ask you to make changes and that's why they didn't want to see it? Or? I don't know. Yeah. No, I think that they probably felt that I would be probably quite fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they, they know that it worries me more. Right, right, right. I think right. that I would leave something in that would wound somebody. Yeah. Do you, is it nice that you and your daughters are having in some ways parallel careers right now? Do you guys get to share? You and Charlotte had albums out at around the same time, right? Same time, and, and Lou at one time, there was Charlotte and Lou and me. Yeah. But it was, no, it, it was it was fun, but we're, ve we're very pudique. We don't talk about mm. the métier. I okay. don't know whether other people have got actresses, daughters, or mothers and fathers. Yeah. It's not something we talk about. We talk about private life, mm. but we don't talk about, <laughs> I didn't even know when her show was on in Paris, because I didn't <laughs> ask, and she didn't say. <laughs> So and funny. I don't like flaunting either, and I don't want to know whether <laughs> she's coming on Thursday, and because I want to be good, and I'm too frightened of yeah. letting her down or right. her being disappointed. Yeah. But and would you so like to see her perform? Are you well, like, God, tell me when your show is? That's my. That's I've got my tickets already. Right, right, right. right. Of course, of <laughs> <Okay>. course, <laughs> of course. That's funny. And I think she'll scoop up artist of the year as well. Yeah, In that album time. is brilliant. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, truly. 
And please tell Lou that we would love to have her on this show. Oh, yes. I will tell yes, Lou. Yes, the trifecta. Yes. She's writing it right now. Is I mean, she's, she's written so, it. Yeah. Okay. And she's in the studio now. Nice. I follow her on Instagram. She's a very good Instagram poster. Oh, she is. Yes. Good recommendation. She, yeah, she's she a inspires wonder. me. She always makes songwriting look very romantic. Ooh. <laughs> There's always like a great cup of coffee. <laughs> no, but she's also somebody very fascinating to watch because I think if she finds a... Uh, I don't know whether you'd say a delight in Instagram, mm-hmm. but um, that it's worth doing mm-hmm. for her is that when she sees something that she likes and she's terribly inquisitive. So if she sees a, a, a wonderful expo or if she sees yeah. a, a musician or if she sees a film, usually that aren't making much money possibly, mm-hmm. then she puts it online mm-hmm. and then... People might follow people her and go. Yeah. So I think that that's what she finds the joy of it. Mm-hmm. And also she finds something to say each day. Right. I wouldn't. <laughs> I and I'm not of that generation. Right. Yeah. And I don't know how much I like it. Yeah. In that if you're on a holiday and you think you're far away from everybody and, and there's a photo of a sheep that everyone says, oh, those sheeps were quite funny in, <laughs> in uh, Manchester. And you think, hey, who was with us in Manchester yeah. with a sheep? And they say, oh, yeah, bloody Instagram. Right. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> Always a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Uh, well, Jane, thank you so much for thank coming you. on the thank show you. and have a great, have a wonderful time. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the album is absolutely gorgeous. So for those of you who won't be seeing it live, just dwell on the album. It's an experience in and of itself. Thank, thank you, you, Jane. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Je Je sème les grains de pavot sur les pavés de la noix. Tu sais ces photos de l'Asie que j'ai prises de son hasard. Maintenant que tu n'es plus là. Leur couleur vive en palais. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.